You look just like I did at your age. Please don't say that, Dad. I'm 16 years old. I'm not a child. Don't you take that tone of voice with me, young lady. Love you, Dad. I love you too, son. You're listening to Honey, We Made a Disney Podcast. Two friends since it was Miller time. Reggie Miller time. Now dad's reliving the Disney movies we grew up on with our own kids. I'm Eddie Ferguson. And I'm J.B. Wagner. And on today's episode, hey now, hey now, this is what dreams are made of. As we review the Lizzie McGuire movie. But before <gasps> that, yes, Eddie, before we get into the craziness of that film, Eddie, how are you? And the family doing this post holiday time. Uh, we are we are well. We had uh, rounds of sickness, as most everybody did this holiday as season. Yep, and we are recovering, uh, mostly recovered. Uh, but we had a huge milestone in our family. Uh, we introduced Lewis to Star Wars. Yes, how? Give me the play by play. Um, so one, it's funny that people even ask, uh, to me, it's a no brainer. You start with a new hope, then empires, empire strikes back, then return of the Jedi Uh, being asked the question. It's just automatically tells me you're, you're not a star Wars fan. I, you know, like the fact that some people have to ask that it's like, well, no, okay. That's all I need to know about you. Um, (laughs) It was a huge, huge hit. We waited until my sister and her family were here, all the cousins. So there's all the excitement surrounding it. We've been talking about it for months. Um, Plus, for Christmas, somebody bought him a Boba Fett costume. That was adorable. And my sister bought him two lightsabers and a. So you can fight with Right, a blue and a green, and they connect. They can you can put them together. And uh, what else? I mean, we got a lot of a lot of of Star Wars stuff. He got this really cool Star Wars like search and find book. You know, where it's like a scene, like Tatooine. Yeah, you got to find this droid or whatever. He loves like the Where's Waldo search and find types books. So she buys him that. Um, So it's been epic. We've been watching. We, we've watched all three now. We finished them all before they left. And uh, we've been playing lightsabers nonstop, nonstop. We got to peel him out of his Boba Fett costume. But today was very interesting. It kind of bad, but also like, okay, little, um, and bad in the sense that he corrected my wife, Sarah. Whoa. Which, okay, we don't do that. You know, we don't correct mommy. However, he correctly corrected his mother's false understanding of something about Star Wars. What was it? Um, Well, he had opened up a page of his seek and find to the Geonosis arena. And she said, oh, look, those are the bad guys, the stormtroopers. And he said, oh, no, mommy, those guys are actually good guys. And she's like, no, those are the stormtroopers. Those are bad guys. Don't, you know. And I said, and I'm sitting right there. And I'm like, um, I'm like so proud right now because <laughs> he's right. Because those are the clone troopers. They're not the bad guys yet. They're actually 
on the good side at this that moment. Is She's like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, so I looked at him. I'm like, how did you know this? Um, that's not in the, that's not in episode. We haven't watched four, those movies six, yet. Yeah. yeah, we haven't watched those movies yet. Um, and he said, well, I called them stormtroopers, and my cousin Eli corrected me. Oh, so I'm he like, got he got cousin cousin so knowledge. He, he got cousin knowledge there. So that yes. is a proud moment, so, Eddie. I'm so proud of you. Star Wars is being fully um, fully breathed in and accepted in the in the youngling ferguson so we're very happy about that but enough about me and all of this we've got a few other things to to cover um disney news or just kind of new releases things that have come out um i'm going to switch things around here a little bit uh i want to lead off with the hot one i want to lead off with the big big drop on disney plus that you were just fast to get on i mean on it like a fat boy in a cupcake you were on this right away <laughs> it hits close to home but thank you adina menzel which way to the stage how was it i know you were so excited for this to release you asked can we review this for the show i said okay if you want to I'd, i'm not gonna watch it but i'm gonna let you watch it well if listeners go back and listen to our podcast from several weeks ago they will hear eddie Making a comment like, oh, we need to review that when it comes out. I believe we either did it on the podcast or offline talking In about it. Pure sarcasm. Pure sarcasm. Pure, and I would, it as- must have been text I would assume then. I would assume after 30 years of knowing each other, you would know my sarcasm, especially, especially when it comes to a documentary. About Adina Menzel. There's no chance I would like seriously suggest we review that. So we normally have ESPN together. We're like we we know each, <laughs> what each other are thinking, but uh, it, the channel got switched for a moment. Well, this I'm going to say this is when some of the sickness came into the Wagner household. Probably, and we'll, we'll just credit. It, we'll just say it's it's the fault of the of the sickness. Let's blame it on that because I thought Eddie was serious. <laughs> So I sat down and I asked my wife, do you want to watch this with me? And she was like, absolutely not. (laughs) So I'm watching it by myself. (laughs) She leaves. She goes into another room. This is such a funny story to me. She goes into another room. She's like, I want to have no part of this. And the last thing that we've seen of Adina, first name basis, first name basis after this, was the the Frozen series. Frozen 2. Like making a Frozen 2. Yeah, like Adina as Adina, not like playing a character as herself. Or yeah, and, and, was- and mind you, folks, uh, we frequently will bring up. There's a moment in that documentary, the Into the Unknown, the making, which is fantastic. It's phenomenal. But there's a moment where Adina Menzel goes and visits the animators working on Elsa. That is so cringy. I mean, it is like. So awkward where you wonder, is she a real human being or a robot in this moment? I'm not sure. And so we bring this up in jest and joke all the time. Like, oh, wow, that was as cringy of an interaction as a Tina Menzel with an animator. You know, like, so that that was the basis I'm working off of when I, in pure sarcasm, say, oh, yeah, we ought to review this. Mind you. So, yes. So that's that's where we were. And I sat down to do <laughs> the Lord's work, <laughs> watching this thing. For the children. 
So let me just tell you, Eddie, it is both exactly what you expect. And a few times where you kind of feel like, oh, I find it kind of feel bad for her a, a little bit. This, the, it's all leading up to her doing a concert in New York City at Madison, Madison Square. Square. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's all leading up to that. She says it 30 times throughout the entire thing. 50% of artist documentaries, I'm making that statistic up. 50% are like my my big concert at Madison Square Garden. It's always Madison Square Garden. I try I I, I watched the entire thing. I did not turn it off. Wow. I did I, I had other things maybe going on at the same time. But her, so her entire w- 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 journey to get to that point. She also decides in the middle of all of this that mind you, she is 48. I believe this is 2019 when they filmed this. So, uh, or 2018, 2019, she's 47, 48. When she's filming this, she decides with her new husband that she's going to try to get, uh, have a baby at 48 and they're doing steroid injections. So she's going injections, injections, go on, on the road somewhere else, injection, come back. What's the ovulation stuff going? It's, it's all craziness. I'm like, this shouldn't even and, be medically possible. And they're documenting and they're all documenting this for you, that okay. while it's going on. They have her life on the road and stuff like that. You see a lot of her son, which is adorable, of course. And you get some of the background. That, that was probably the most interesting piece of this is I didn't know all of the other stuff she had been in and how oh, she, she is hit so it big. talented yeah. and very incredible. Like her, yeah, yeah. Hit it hit it big with wicked. And but previous to that was rent, rent, yeah, a lull, her her lull with before rent, getting rent. There was like seven years of like nothing in between that, then seven more years, and then she gets to do what we all know her for now, which was frozen, which was which like sent her into another stratosphere. Stratosphere. Um, the probably one of the best parts of this though was that the whole buildup is to come to Madison Square Garden to do this big concert. First time ever. It's going to be big and they're going to show her doing it and you see her along the way in, in different stuff. But the the reveal, not the reveal, it's not late, it's early on, but the reveal for you, Eddie, is that this concert she was doing, she is not the headliner. Josh Groban, it's his tour. She is the opening act for this tour for this documentary of her getting to Madison Square Garden and it's not even her tour. It's Josh Groban's tour. I find that hilarious. And then also like, I'm heartbroken for her. I know, right? Sad at the same time. Like, I have no idea what to feel at this moment. I had no idea. The whole time she's like emotional thinking about doing this concert and building up to it. And the whole time I'm going, but this isn't even your tour. You are riding with some on someone else's tour bus to get there to your dream moment. And she's doing all the all the sometimes diva stuff, sometimes like emotional stuff. I'm like, you're this isn't even your tour. Spoiler alert. She gets there, does it, and she's like between songs going, I can't believe I'm here right now. I'm just so excited to be here at Madison Square Garden. I'm like, ma'am, this isn't your tour. <laughs> These people aren't primarily here for you, they're for Josh Groban. And we see him there like once walking past a hallway. He's not even really in the documentary, but I just want to give you that, that little nugget. That was the best nugget of this entire thing. 
I I have no idea what to feel in this moment. Like I I genuinely feel bad for I know, her. Right? This this I don't know that I liked her more because of this documentary. I felt more grace for her than I did sure. leaving the other documentary. But the big piece of it that left me thinking was they shot this documentary before she did into before all the stuff with Into the Unknown. The the doc that so it's like that tour ends in November. They then pick up the Frozen Two storyline in January, February, March of February of 2019. That's okay, okay, okay. So this is 18. Yeah, they okay. shoot this in eight. But then I, I'm just sitting there thinking, okay, one because Frozen Two came out in November of 19. Yep, and they shelved this thing because this thing just came out. It's been sitting there for a long time. Like this Why documentary. Why do you sit on this? Why do you sit on this? I'm not sure, but maybe I wonder. Maybe they're thinking Frozen Two will push her even more popular, or. But I also wonder if maybe they're like, you know, what this doesn't have the appeal that we thought it did. Maybe she's mad about the fact that they haven't done anything with this documentary, or they're they're negotiating. Maybe that's why she was so weird. In the Frozen 2 doc, it's like there's some backstory now that we didn't know before. Something, something's going Obviously, on. Obviously, the, the baby thing never happened because we, we don't have any record of her having that child. She's going through treatments and stuff like that. Oh, that's I sad. just feel like I have a little bit more grace for her, even though yeah. she still is very much a robot in that. But I also wondered if they felt that they did her wrong with, with, with uh, the Frozen 2 documentary and said, you know what? We probably should go ahead and make the other one let's go ahead and finish it for her just to make her feel better i don't know but it was weird it was just like she's not the headliner she's having this big emotional moment it's awkward all around it's not where eddie don't go see this i know you're dying to go see it now that you're so intrigued by it but you don't need to see it i've told you everything you need to know um but it's just historical it's her on the road her with her family it's fine it's okay it's fine it's a step up from the other stuff. But now you know. Now you know Adina Menzel, which way to the stage. Which is crazy because I mean, don't get don't get us wrong here. Like she is an incredible talent, like hands down. Um it's just <laughs> that's really heartbreaking. I like don't I kind of almost feel bad for laughing so hard at the at I the know, outset right? of all of this. I know, yeah. Right? But there you go. That's that's my opportunity to make you feel bad about making me feel dumb for watching. <laughs> Spin the emotion around on me. Gotcha. I love it. Yeah. Well, here's something that uh, I think we can all agree was just full of fun and good emotions. And that is Encanto Live at the Hollywood Bowl. We had been we've been looking forward to this. I think you got to it just a little bit before us. I thought you had um, already watched it. That's why I was like, "Hey, we're finally watching it now." And you're like, "We haven't watched this yet." No, everything's coming out a uh, like a week or two late here on like Latin American um, Disney Plus. Like, we still haven't gotten what was the one the thing? Oh, uh, if the walls could sing, I think you guys already have that on Disney. Oh, no, we, it's yeah, not. We, we have it. I just haven't watched it. Yeah, so it doesn't even release here until another week or two. And I'm really excited about that documentary. Um, so, yeah, I, for whatever reason, we we didn't get access to this until, I think, a little bit later. 
but it is fantastic. Um, we were already big fans of Coco, like the music of Coco at the Hollywood Bowl, but this is totally different. Coco, um, most of the, uh, you know, a lot of the cast members from the movie didn't make an appearance in that. They had um, all the Spanish people. Yeah, the Spanish they had a lot of Spanish people. Um, and they also did like shortened versions or, you know, not the the full on version. This like one, um, just this, the, the theatrical production of this is phenomenal. Like rivalry of, of, a, of a hot Broadway um, stage production from the projection mapping to the costumes, to the puppetry, the floor, the floor being alive, like yep. a, a screen and, and the casita and, and moving around. And, and they had some CGI stuff too. Like obviously po- yeah. in post, like all the CGI yeah. uh, butterflies and stuff that are, that are coming through the sky. And in a way that just kind of like highlighted it, right? Like it didn't feel like, okay, okay, stop, stop. You know, it was just kind of like, Oh, that's a fun little flourish. flourish. That was really cool. Then they get the whole cast back. This is the cast um, from minus, the movie. Minus the actor who played Bruno. Minus the actor who played Bruno. Yes. Um, but it, I mean, this was fantastic. Um, I loved the the interludes where, you know, they played little clips from the movie and kind of like told the story. But of course, you know, we're just kind of focusing in on the um, on the songs and everything. Um I honestly got to the end of this and looked at Sarah and went, why is this not in a theme park? Like if there's not a Disney executive going, get that in Hollywood studios or or get that over at California adventure. I don't know what they are thinking because this is phenomenal. And they've done that with frozen. Like they've taken the frozen, the frozen movie and adapted it into a play into theater for at Disneyland. At least they had at one point. It might, yeah. may or may not still be there. They but, have it at yeah. Hollywood Studios still. No, we loved it. My daughter has wanted to watch. We've watched it like five times with my daughter now. Um, there's just, yeah, you're right. They they didn't just, it's weird. They did it, the previous in Coco, they added a ton of extra stuff and truncated the music stuff. But then this, they did more like, hey, let's just do the songs again with set pieces behind them and the real actors. And I enjoyed that more. I know it didn't yeah. have no the one new piece though that they did add was those little kids. Weren't those little kids adorable? The choir. Yes. That was incredible. And, and you had like, oh, if we already didn't love Lynn Manuel Miranda enough, he's nice to the children. Now mm. we love him even more. It's, yeah. It was a it was a great little interlude. He's got a great kid. Kind of having that moment. Like yeah, he kids does. want to pay attention to him. It's, it's well, a, you see, like he's a dad of of what two kids, so he he knows what he's doing. He's he's a pro at this. Yeah, that was a nice little surprise. It was something we came home to on Saturday and watched, and we're like, "This is this is great. We love we love this." So I had to laugh. So Hollywood Bowls in Hollywood, uh, Southern California. Did you see like everybody in the audience is like? super bundled up like they're sitting through a blizzard to watch this thing <laughs> like as a midwesterner i'm just like oh bless your hearts you think it's cold now i'm wondering when they actually shot this i'm assuming based off of that it had to have been a, a tight turnaround from a post-production standpoint but 
that's still a lot of time. Like they got to do a lot of vocal things. I'm guessing it probably shot it a year ago. Um, no, because nobody was wearing masks. Oh, not a not a person. No one. Now I'm more confused. I'm more confused yeah, than ever. If that would if that was 21 in California, somebody would have been wearing masks. I think you're right, Eddie. Good. Good. Even uh, like the kids. Good kid, sleuthing. Even the kids in the choir room, all of that. Like when, yeah. The I, I would guess this was probably no uh, October November. That would be I don't really know. fast. You lived in Southern California. When would it be chilly enough for people to bust out the park? I don't know how often it is that chilly, even in the wintertime. I mean, it's nighttime. It's an open air theater. I, I can understand it can get quite breezy enough. But I just assumed that they, they had a tight turnaround. They had to get this out at Christmas time. Like, this is what this, you know, Encanto was the big. You, Eddie, hold up. I got the answer. You are. A hundred percent correct. They filmed this November 11th. Wow. That is crazy turnaround. Insane turnaround for something like six, that. Six weeks? That is nuts. And there is one thing that, that I should have realized why there was one piece of this that I did not like. And it was the punch-ins on uh, the um, pressure. Yes. That song. When they do the tick, 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 and they do the little punch it. It's called depth cuts. You go tick, 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 and it gets tighter every time. Those were bad. Like the, you're supposed to ref the editing technique. You're supposed to reframe them every time it punches in. So it hmm. kind of centers the person in the right spot. But this, they literally just went in tighter and it chopped off her head at one point. Like, wow, this is like really bad. That's like a rookie mistake. Why? Six, that's live. what happens when they're doing like six seconds. And they probably did. They probably did do it live. I bet. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, man, that's super fast. That's crazy. Wow. A six weeks turnaround. Yeah. There you go. Um, it's funny. Okay. You just articulated, um, technically why that sequence felt weird to me. Cause I'm like, this is, this just feels cheesy. It just doesn't feel right. Yeah. It's not something you see in a live performance. Normally they let the live performance flow, but this is like a editing thing. Yeah. Well, and there was a couple other things where they're doing some like camera shakes or whatnot, trying to heighten the 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 emotion yeah. or the the effects of it. Um, yeah, but otherwise, this is fantastic if you have the chance. Um, kudos to Disney. I think they knew last Christmas Encanto was like the big family hit. Let's just keep. We've got to keep chugging out the Encanto content, and this was the fastest and best way to do that. And it works. It's fantastic. It's so good. Like I said, uh, I hope that this gets into one of the theme parks. Um, I think it would be a welcome addition uh, to anywhere. So. so the final thing, Eddie, before we head up to our movie, what is one big thing you're excited about Disney content wise in 2023? Give us one, maybe two, if you, if you feel so inclined. Ah, uh, I, I, I should, I've been thinking through this and, and it's a hard one. I got to say one, I'm, I'm not looking forward to it because I saw it with, I think with the Encanto Live was the first one. Um, I love the new hundred years of Disney intro. Oh yeah. That's, that's money. They did a great job with that. Fantastic. And all the Easter eggs in that, like all the different like hidden references to all of that different things. Yeah, uh, that's not not really the question there, but 
2023 is the 100-year anniversary. I believe it's actually October 26, 2023 will be the 100-year anniversary. Um, so with that, I, I maybe go out of the ordinary. They're releasing a new animated film called Wish that's based in like the like around the wishing star, like telling the story of the wishing star. Um, I, that's about all I know of it, but just the basic concept of it is really intriguing to me. Um, so yeah, I, I typically, more intriguing than, uh, strange world still haven't watched it. (laughs) So (laughs) yeah. Um, the, and I would say another close second is probably elemental because I just love Pixar and I want to see Pixar. Uh, they've had a couple of, I was just talking about like turning red with my sister and we were both like, what was that? We don't understand that. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I, I want to, I want to see that, see what that turns out to be. For me, it's no surprise, but I'm just so excited for more baby Yoda Mandalorian season three. I know you were saving that for me, letting me have tea ball, uh, tee that up for me. So excited for that, especially how their storyline left off, not in, not just in season two, but in the little three, two, three episode arc inside of, um, Boba Fett, Boba Fett. I can't get enough of star Wars stuff. So having this in my life this year, starting in March 1st, it's gonna be a great, great beginning of the year. Um, so I left this out when I was talking about Lewis seeing star Wars for the first time. Um, when we furnished, finished a new hope, that was the first thing he asked us, but where was baby Yoda? <laughs> um, because he's, you know, he's seen like, I've got my baby Yoda pop it. Somebody bought him, um, baby Yoda PJs. Like it, it is so saturated in pop culture mm-hmm. that my four year old knows star Wars, baby Yoda. And when he doesn't get it, um, and he was slightly disappointed with Yoda because of that. You know, he was like, that's not baby Yoda. Like he knew that that wasn't the same person uh, of cuteness. So he's going to be so jacked up for the rest of his life where so many people know Yoda so well in advance that when they saw baby Yoda, they when they saw Grogu, they're like, oh, baby Yoda. I don't care yeah. what you call him. It's baby Yoda. Right. So, uh, yeah, I would be there with you as well. Um, I would say that's the thing I'm most looking forward to from a Disney Plus standpoint. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting. I think 2023 will be the year that we start to see streaming uh, attempt to write itself upright. You know, try you and rain go, in? okay. Rain itself in? Rain it in. Try and like, okay, what it, what is this really? Like, what do audiences really want? And I think with that, I hope we see a stronger um, theatrical um, resurgence because um, I've already gone and seen Avatar again. Went with my brother-in-law and nice. my cousin. Yeah. So I've seen Avatar two twice now and it's uh it's cranking up the 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 billions we'll see um so between maverick and top gun maverick and avatar i think we're we're you know we're close to say like yeah like people just want to go out to the movies get but give us the spectacles give us give the us things that's give us give us a reason and we'll go a reason is all we need now to continue on with what you came here for 
which is our, as we cover all of the, the major Disney movies that released 2000, from 1987, 88, really, because nothing came out in 87, through 2005, aka our childhood. And today's one is one that I know I've got some team members back at my office that are so excited for. They've been so dying for this movie to come out and we're mad that didn't have, didn't release this episode sooner. But today's episode, we were, we were watching the one that Eddie and I watched probably millions of times being young men ourselves. And that is <laughs> the Lizzie McGuire movie. Cue the Disney sound effect. I should have said, cue the Disney Channel sound effect. <laughs> that there been. is there's an incredible documentary on YouTube. Have you? There's a guy, um, uh, Defunct Land is the name of the channel oh. that he does these long form documentaries on yeah. the most obscure Disney things, and he does one on who came up with the four tone Disney Channel. Um, sound like who invented Ooh, that? I'd be and into it's, that. It's fascinating. It's such a fascinating documentary. But I'll go watch that once anyway. we're done here. But first, IMDb. Lizzie McGuire has graduated from middle school and takes a trip to Rome, Italy with her class. And what was supposed to be only a normal trip becomes a teenager's dream come true. Two sentences. They broke broke the rule. Didn't need two, didn't need two, two sentences. That's upsetting to me but anyways um, eddie had you seen this beforehand um i had never seen this in its entirety i have seen this in segments here and there a couple of times uh enough that i knew kind of the basic storyline but i would say that this was my first time to sit down watch it top to bottom how about that, the, how that about being the choir show I was very familiar with the Lizzie McGuire show. I wouldn't say that it was one of my favorite Disney Channel shows. Um, I, I, I also was not the target audience for that show, so I'm, I'm okay with this. Um, was this on once? This wasn't on one Saturday morning ever, right? This was no. just. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. There was a few times where on one Saturday morning they would pull something off of Disney Channel and put it there on ABC. Because I, I remember watching more of it than my non-cable self would have had access to. So that's kind of why I wondered. But it could have just been over at a friend's house or over at my grandparents' house watching it sometime. I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, um, this the TV series premiered January of 2001, ran for ran until February of 2004. Um and the the movie was released in I think the summer of two thousand three. Yes, gotcha. May Anyways. May of two thousand three. So that gives you kind of the time frame of all of that. Yeah. No, I remember I remember this film because my sisters my sister watched it, and so we would we had watched it several times. So I remember them going to Rome. I remember them um, all all of the major storylines from it. Uh, had forgotten it, but then the moment I saw, it, I was like, "Oh, I remember this guy does this or whatever," and had good memories of it when I was a kid, like watch it, watching it when it came out. Um, but uh, what did you think of it, Eddie? Getting your first full taste of it this time, um, inspired by inspired by the uh, method acting you saw, and 
<laughs> twin person, twin uh, separated at birth people and stuff. Um, I have to say, like, I I enjoyed some of the like early two thousand tropes. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the you know Miss Ungermeyer. This the school chaperone is such a uh, uh, I don't I don't even know how to describe it. Just like a, a, a perfect character for this movie, just kind of propels the tension along really well. And I thought the actress, yeah, uh, nothing like outstanding, but it's just like okay, there we go. There's that. There's the meat. There's the mean girl who turns yep. good. There's the 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 pretty boy jock who actually turns out to be you know, somewhat like wholehearted in the end. Um, you know, we get the Gordo the brother, stuff, the younger brother, the younger brother. And, and I mean, all of that you get throughout the series as well. Um, I mean, this in an essence, those interactions are, are great. Um, I mean, it's why Lizzie McGuire was such a great TV show for the time to- at the time, such a huge hit. Well, remembered amongst millennials is because it, it just, encapsulated what life in middle school is really like and all of your different tropes and your characters within all of that. The only thing that this doesn't encapsulate um, about the TV series is it just leaves out completely a main character in one quick little line of exposition. Like, oh yeah, she's not, uh, Miranda's not here because she's, took a trip to Mexico city, you know, and you're just like, Oh, they wrote her. They wrote out a, a main character, wrote her out like in a, in a blink of an eye. It's cause I mean, the TV series is like these three friends. It's Lizzie McGuire, her girlfriend and her good guy friend. And like, this is what, you know, it's Miranda Gordo. And Ooh, I'm wondering what happened to that actress. Like, did she me too? Like I did some digging did around and stuff and I couldn't find a reason like why she didn't appear in this. I needed a room um, for Gordo to shine. Apparently, and yeah, like they just like swept her off super fast, um, like faster than um, uh, Mia Thermopolis's boyfriend in 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 Princess Diaries too. She's like, whoop, let's get rid of that one really fast. Well, you brought up Mrs. Ungermeyer, and I'm gonna say that she was probably my favorite person. Oh yeah, in this on this on this movie. Agreed. Um, so it, she but, had me, if I can interject, she had me at the extension of the American flag to be <laughs> the guide. That was the a great moment. moment yeah. <laughs> I was like, yep, I'm in. I'm good. She's I'm I'm tracking with her. So the actress, Alex Borstein, plays Mrs. Ungermeyer. She is also uh, the manager in The Fabulous Mrs. Maisel, which is a great show. Oh. Lots of intriguing stuff in that. But she plays a very similar type of energy of like intense energy, but in a, in a different way. And she also steals a lot of scenes in that, in that show as well. But man, she's, she definitely is one of my favorite moments, like not moments, but anytime she's on camera, basically she grabs your attention and and opening up with attention parents, shut your pie holes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just when she's having the conversation with, she meets Paolo. She's like, who are you? And she says, Paolo Bellatari. And she's like, put your money in your front pockets. <laughs> <laughs> and then when she's hitting on the bodyguard, she's like, you want a piece of that? You want a piece of the Unkermar? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. She like, she's just like, 
she's what you want in these um, throwback movies. Like, yes. you know, the storyline is going to be, you can already feel it all coming before it happens. All the lines, Paolo, the most one dimensional character you've ever seen. Ever, ever, ever. Yeah. Um, so you need like off the, off the wall, weird character actors that will just do what they do well and just make you love them as much as you hate them. You don't hate her as much as you do, like, um, from Order of the Phoenix, uh, Professor Umbridge, Dolores yeah. Umbridge. Like, you genuinely want her to be gone. Like, you're like, I cannot stand this woman. This is more like she's annoying, but lovable all at the same time. And how much well, she's like, you're trying to brown nose me. You're trying to get, <laughs> trying to do all this, all of that kind of stuff. I love, I love her. Like she just decides that Gordo is, is, is he's got a hidden agenda, sneaky little brown noser. <laughs> like you just, but you just love her for that. Well, and I think, um, so again, the, it, it is a, uh, a, a trope that you see a mile away, the whole like, oh, I'm sick. I can't go out. Oh, but is the chaperone suspicious. Like, all of those things we've seen a million times, but this actress, Alex Borstein, take takes it to a whole nother level that makes something that should not be interesting to us very much interesting. And like I, I want I like I keep coming back because I want to see those little one liners. I'm glad that you brought up the whole put your money in the front pockets because I lost it when she threw out that line. And I want to know, is that, was that in the script or is this an actress just firing them off as, as she feels them? But yeah. So I would say I loved her. Mm-hmm. I think that the rest of this film was just passable. I'm sorry for all of the people out there that have super fond memories of this. And this is really high up on their throne pole, but especially because we, I feel like we just recently did um, Princess Diaries, and we saw two amazing one-off, two amazing actresses going toe for toe in so many scenes. The other thing that they did so well in Princess Diaries that they skipped over in this was they tried to make Lizzie McGuire not the popular kid while doing nothing to her character, her her like uh, her appearance, or anything to result in someone like people picking on her and making fun of her because she doesn't look like they did. They, they did so much to Anne Hathaway to make her feel, look, sound like, like the side, like the, like the, like the girl that is obviously yeah, not but the cool kid. I'll, I'll push back on you on that one a little bit because I mean, she's not the popular girl. She was never in this series. Um, and what's endearing about Lizzie McGuire and the whole, purpose of the animated Lizzie McGuire is they're trying to communicate that insecure angst of a early teen, a tween girl of like, I say one thing, but I feel and think the complete opposite within my head. And like the, the, the beauty of the Lizzie McGuire character. Um, and there's a couple of YouTube videos out there that are really good of the show. The psychology did a good job. of Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> No, it was like, I mean, it it tackled really, really well. It tackled very difficult conversations and things that happen, particularly for a tween girl, um, in a way that was accessible, right? And all because you have this mechanism in place of the live action Lizzie, Hillary Duff, 
playing out how we see most tween girls. And then you have the animated version playing out what's really going on in a, in a, in a tween girl's head. And I think that in particular where, I mean, we're two guys, we're, there's a lot here that's not relatable to us, but I think most millennial women who grew up with this character resonate deeply with her and a lover. And it's mainly because of that. She wasn't the most popular. She also wasn't the most like um, obscure or unpopular girls school. She's just average. She's just kind of there in the middle. And I think that's why there was such broad appeal and an appreciation for her. All that being said, yeah, like I agree with you. I don't think that this is like anywhere near uh, uh, a top of list for me. Um, but it, it does reveal like, okay, I, I can put myself a little bit in those shoes and go, I can, I can see why people deeply connect with this character. So I will, I will second you on that, that the animated character did a lot more. I think I kept them separated for some reason in my head, like Lizzie McGuire, human Hillary Duff and the animated character, even though I know that that's supposed to be your inner monologue. For some odd reason, there was a disconnect for me in like the two of them coming together, and I was more engaged. Yeah, I was more engaged with the animated character than I was with um, Hillary Duff's performance of her. I get like like what she would then go and act acted out with, and the two never really kind of come like they never like the one doesn't become the other. I guess is I don't know how to really put that. Like they never, there's well, never a crossing I- point where she like speaks her truth or whatever you want to say. Like right, right, I'm going right. to fully speak out what this is, but you're right. These are the junior high girls that um, are in Rome and let to just roam wherever they want to. And you can obviously tell that taken the series was made after this. Cause there's after no this. way no they could have made this since I'm taken even, came out. Uh, <laughs> so this is how my brain works. I'm watching the beginning of this movie going, what? There's no way that an eighth grader, a recently graduated eighth grader, we'll give you that, but ninth like, grade, ninth grade, yeah. is going alone. I mean, without parents, with one chaperone, mind you, one chaperone. Eddie does a lot of trips, so you guys know, like, like does a lot of coordinating international trips, and there's no like one is minimal. That's the like not not nearly enough. So what is the rule like 10,000 hours makes you an expert on something? I've easily got 20 to 30 hours on how to run a, yes, like 10,000 hours. (laughs) 10,000 hours and I've done at least five of them. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, 10,000 hours makes you an expert. I've easily done 20 to 30,000 hours. No, there is, I'm looking at this going from a logistics standpoint no way does this occur. There's just no way. And I mean, I am even, I was feeling it a bit in uh, Spider-Man Far From Home where I'm going, okay, is this, maybe they're older, they're kind of, you know, once you get over 16, there's certain restrictions and regulations that are a little bit easier. Uh, They got two chaperones, so okay. But this, one chaperone they're 13 so many things yeah i'm i'm so i am on the state department website going (laughs) how is this plausible i love i'm i'm literally looking up the documents okay okay so it is plausible because they're in europe they're not in other certain countries so they would have her parents would have had to assign this form and this form the chaperone would have needed to have this 
everything okay what forms needed to be notarized like i'm i'm like researching the living daylights out of this going it is plausible but is it probable Mm, i doubt it i really really doubt it and you're definitely you're definitely not flying a 13 year old boy back on his own yeah 100 percent. and and mind you this movie takes place in 2003 what just happened 18 months prior 9-11 yeah no no not happening not happening whatsoever so anywho that that's just my weird eddie rant and all of those things your 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 correlation to Princess Diaries, I think, is very accurate. I felt like this was okay. Let's make a Princess Diaries Parent Trap esque movie. Yeah, I definitely f- I felt a little bit of Parent Trap, not just even with the whole twin thing, but um, e- there was a couple other little elements there. Princess Diaries, all of that kind of coming in together. Where I'm going. I think if this was a decom. We, for those of you who don't know the lingo, that's Disney <laughs> Channel original movie. Um, if this was a decom, I think this would go down as like one of the best decoms ever. Um, but as a theatrical release movie, I'm sorry, I'm probably going to have to go with High School Musical three senior year as better. Just fired. I know. I think the last. I don't know if we will get to touch those. Made it made uh, fifty five million. At the box office, not 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 amazing by any stretch of imagination. Only twelve million dollars internationally, so this did not have a very good international appeal, even with the Rome and the uh, love interest and all of that kind of stuff. Maybe it's because they're making fun of slightly Italian people the entire time, but yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit. It didn't make me hungry for pasta, though. I did really want pasta after all of this, some, or some spaghetti. Yeah. Well. Um, can we can yeah. we talk about this uh, also as well? So we didn't really talk much about Gordo, but his confession, and then air quotes, his confession at the end wasn't that great. The whole like she's expecting, oh, there's something going on, uh, but then Lizzie is suddenly absent. We can't find her, and he, he's trying to block her from going up the room, and he's like, uh, I'm the one that's been sneaking out. Well then, why are you blocking me from blocking her from going up the stairs? Like, there's a huge, massive. That's those two things are not like synonymous. It is like, well, he's trying to leave. That's why you can't go see Lizzie. I don't understand what's going on here. Like, that was just not great. I'm just saying, like that confession part, and then he just kind of took it and left. But then he comes back. Like, there wasn't enough. Like, I can't. Like, it never seemed like he was that mad at her for doing all of this. And if he really was, really like in love with her or whatever, wouldn't there have been like a stronger, like at least in Princess Diaries, he was like, I'm done with you for a second. Like there was at least a little bit and she had to like win him back. There wasn't, I was expecting more of that. I don't know. This is just me kind of verbalizing. I was, but isn't left- that the difference between a 13 year old and an 18 year old? Like a 13 year old doesn't know what they're feeling in that moment. They're feeling something, but they don't know what it is. So they sure. don't know how to articulate it. Maybe but an eighteen-year-old, watch out! I know exactly what I'm feeling and why, and I'm gonna you're gonna feel my wrath. I, uh, you're probably right, Eddie. I probably am thinking too seriously about this film, like I do all films. I take it way too seriously. May have been a title of a podcast we used to have a long time ago. Well, also, I love that you keep referring to this as a film. 
Um, let's just call it a movie. Let's just keep it as a movie. <laughs> you don't. You don't want to have that that name aspired um, associated with this. You're, I think it just puts too cinema? much expectation. What if I call this a cinema? The c- a cinematic experience. <laughs> cinematic experience. No, I'm just saying. Like, but did you feel that too? I, it was like, yes, it was yes. weak. There were like so his, many moments with Gordo's character. I'm like. Beef that up a bit. No, no, no take it a little, a little bit, bit more. Stronger. Like, do, just do a little bit more. Do a little bit more with that. Because in essence, I love the dynamic that was being built there. It's like, okay, this is a great storyline. There's a lot of potential there, but you're not using it to its full advantage. No, we've seen the whole someone covering for somebody else. And even like the the whole bed, the pillows in the bed, and she never checks the bed. Like, yeah, she could have tried a little. As I was expecting a little bit more from Ungermeyer in that moment, too. Like, well, uh-huh. and even I felt like the turn of the mean girl to, okay, I, I'll cover for you. Like that just boom happened. Yeah, that was instantaneous. Like, uh, that didn't feel earned. Then the whole weird rationale for the parents and the brother to just fly to Europe at a, on a whim. Yeah. To, oh, we just miss her. So we just want to see her. I did like uh, the, I did like the younger, I, lo- I did like the younger brothers. Um, the girl that who was like the mastermind behind all of it. She was fun. She was like, yeah, I forget. She was, she in the original show? Yeah. Yeah. She was, she was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. And this is what's great about this movie is besides Miranda, we don't know where they marooned her, but they give you such good references back to the series. All of those characters, um, except for Mrs. Ungermeyer, um, all the major characters uh, appear in the in the series, which is good. That's what you want in in a movie like this. You want to, or pardon me, in a film like this, cinema. You, you you want some good references back to the source material. Any other outstanding things that we didn't talk about, other than the mom and daughter turnaround at TSA? They just know they need to give each other one last hug goodbye. That was a touching moment. Uh, I loved. I just it was it was good to remember the joys of tween pop from the early 2000s. I mean, all throughout this, not even just the her song there at the end, which is so classic. Um, Yes, I can't believe I almost got to the end without talking about the song because Mrs. Ungermeyer was obviously my favorite character in this. And I'm sorry, is that song is still so freaking catchy. This is oh, yeah. what dreams are made of. I've got somewhere I belong. I've got somebody to love. It's straight. It's like right up there with all the high school musical songs. Like it's so catchy. And then, and then when they go and do the performance and then they go the like club Euro trap, like version of it to, to do over and over again. It's great. It's amazing. I love it. This is all the trashy pop music that you want a lot that you love. This is that song. The rest of the songs throughout were fine, whatever, but this is like, this is stuck in my head for a long time. It's still stuck in my head now, several days later. Yeah, I'm trying to see if that, if the writer of that is like gone on to do anything else. Like he's definitely got quite a few nominations and well known, but um, yeah, I mean, one of the characters, one of the writers on all of that did a lot of work on Mulan. Um, okay. But nothing like, yeah, because you're right. It's it's an earworm. Like it gets stuck in there. Um, I, I don't. Well, I wouldn't say like in a good way. <laughs> You're like, hey, I'm gonna like. I want to be singing along to this. No, it's like all the other trashy music. Like 
I, I hate that I love this. Like, get your head in the game. We're yes. all in this together. All, all high school, anything that high school musical, this, this yes. could have fit right inside of there. Just, it could have repl- been right in there. Yeah. It's kind of your like guilty pleasure music where it's mm-hmm. like, this is fun. Like, I kind of just enjoy this a little bit, but I know that I shouldn't. I shouldn't love this, but I do. Yeah. It's the second bowl of ice cream. I know that I shouldn't, but oh, it tastes so mm-hmm. good. Just. You know, anybody who says you can have too much of a good thing, can you now? Yep. I don't know. Yes, the music, the fun. Uh, I just wanted to mention that. I, I I enjoyed that trip down memory lane. So, Eddie, how good was this good thing for you? <laughs> what would you rate this on our gummy worm or on our fruit snack rating? Fruit snack rating. Out of five. Um. Well, I have to, to go back to something we say often. Rewatchability is a huge factor here. Um, and so with that, I, I don't foresee myself going back and rewatching this. I don't know. Um, so I'm going to give this, uh, I'm going to give this a 1.5. Okay. I'm also giving it a 1.5. That 0. 0.5 is for the song and for Miss Ungermeyer. Yes. That's, yes. that's it, really all of, they combined their powers to get their powers combined to get that extra half a point. Cause I have no and desire to watch this again. And let's be specific. Mrs. Ungermeyer pulling out that extendable American flag to guide students through a post nine 11 Rome. Um, <laughs> that, that is what really tipped it over the edge. Love it. And with that, your life has now forever been changed by another episode of Honey, we made a Disney podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your other favorite (laughs) podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review or share it with your best friend. You can also check us out at honeywemade.com, where you can see our full movie list as we continue to go through all the Disney movies from 1988 to 2005, including next week as we review Finding Nemo. Thank you for listening, and remember... This is what dreams are made of.